0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode number 31, and we are doing something very special tonight, probably more special for us than for all of you. This is the Drunk Cardinals edition, sort of like Drunk History. And I am Michael Miles, editor at Redbird Rants, and I'm joined tonight by Larry
1: Levin. Larry, how are you? Oh, I, you know, the wine's right here, so I'm good. We'll just... See if it can last me the whole hour and a half.
0: All right. Well, I hope you have some refill if you need. And we are joined, Larry. We are joined tonight by Dan Campbell. Dan, how are you? <laughs> Mustrovia.
2: <laughs> I, I apologize. I apologize to the viewers for that. For that. Sorry, start. It's going to get better.
0: It it has to. If it, if it doesn't get better, on the floor. something like that, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what, if it doesn't get better for the listeners, it will certainly get better for us. <laughs> okay, guys, so let's jump right in. We do have, this is our special roundtable edition of the Redbird Grants podcast. We do two podcasts every week, one on Tuesday, which is an abbreviated, not really, but it's 45 minutes long, and then we do a longer version on Thursdays, a 90-minute roundtable. We usually have multiple, multiple guys joining us tonight, but we, uh, we, we save this one for the best. And I'll tell you, it's so funny that this one is the drunk Redbirds edition because we just celebrated on Tuesday a milestone for us, our 30th episode. So for those guys who couldn't, yeah, there you go. And for those guys who couldn't join us, they must be uh, hung over.
1: <laughs> they don't know what they're going to miss.
0: That's right. Well, and we may not either. So um, let's dive right in, you guys. Um, we're going to go around table format, but I want to toss this out first because it's it's really the elephant in the room. Okay. Cardinals lost last night. And the Cubs, well, they celebrated on the mound. And that's probably one of the reasons why this is the drunk red birds edition, because we're all drowning our sorrows in the booze. And likewise, Cardinals tonight are playing what really could be more of a minor league team that the Cubs have put out there. And at current, we are tied 1-1. Let's start with you, Larry. What... What the heck? I mean, can we just start with that? I mean, what the heck? I I mean, Larry, you wrote wrote a great piece today. I had so much fun reading it that... (laughs) I I mean, you you really summed it up. And and what the heck is right. And I hope you went back and looked at a couple of things I did. I put a couple of your sentences in bold because I got to tell you, (laughs) the, the repetition of they did nothing... I just loved it. I just loved it. So take it away, Larry. I don't
1: know what to say. I mean, I'm just angry. I mean, I mean, I've been angry for, you know, a week about, you know, trying to help our friends in Puerto Rico and Tito's family and all that. And obviously that is so much more important than any baseball game or any baseball team. So that's got me frustrated with, how uh, we need to help those folks and don't feel like we're doing a very good job of it. Okay, so that got my baseball blood boiling, right? And then and then we show up in this last week where we really do have a chance to do something, something. And sadly, as I wrote in one of my columns in the last couple of days, the only thing that's been reasonably consistent all season long is starting pitching let us down this week I mean it let us down big time Into losses With Lance Lynn and Luke Weaver and you know I have to say and I've been a Huge admirer of Luke Weaver He's been phenomenal uh, Just was that uh, we uh, my son Aaron And I were at the game Monday night and It, it was over before it started And then even Carlos uh, Start was even though We won the game by the skin of our teeth Was anemic and then you know, I woke up to see today this this quote from Mike Gerst, the general manager, which uh in a in a piece by Ben Hockman in the in the post dispatch, you know about how they pretty much nothing they've seen over the last month of the team has changed anything about how they their plans or how they view the future and it just it hit me the wrong way man if it if it had been even two hours later, if it had been 1.30 I might have opened the wine even then, right? But, you know, I, I, I was a good doobie in that regard, and I still had a meeting to do uh, this afternoon for work, so I didn't. But it was, it, it, just, it was the culmination of everything, or so I thought until I started watching this game tonight and saw the personification of lethargy. I mean, if you if you looked up the word lethargy in the dictionary, I think you'd see the Cardinals circa September 28, 2017 in a big picture next to it. It feels like the amount of energy there is as much as I have, you know, at 1130 on a Saturday night. Um, so, yeah, you asked, Michael. I'm telling it's, it's been one thing after another, and it's led right up to the minute that we're watching the ball game as we speak. Hey Larry, before
0: we move to Dan, I just have a quick question. Did you say that you're still awake at
1: 11:30 on Saturday nights because that's something well, new to me. No, I have I'm just, I'm just pissed at 11:30 on Saturday night. It doesn't matter whether I'm awake or asleep. So, no, I hope I clarified uh, that for you. I
0: I got you. You did cuz I was a little worried there that I was the only one who was asleep at 11:30 on a Saturday night unless I'll tell you, unless you are playing on the West Coast, right? Hey yeah. Dan, yeah. what were your What were your thoughts on last night's uh, painful, painful win for the Cubs? What the heck? I mean, just (laughs) last
2: week, Larry and I sat here on the phone, and Ryan was on, and we all said, you know what? The question was, do you have hope? Do you have hope after the Cardinals rattled off a bunch of wins We were about to sweep Cincinnati. We were within two and a half games of the division and maybe two games of the wild card. And the question was, do you have hope? Bastionly, of course you have to have hope. You have to have hope that the Cardinals who control their own destiny will be able to rise above and put it all together at the right time And take hold of, at the time, we were talking about the division. And I said, you know, we're going to go. We're going to take three out of four from Chicago. It's going to come down to the wire. And, man, we just ate dirt in all of it. And I was so upset. You know, as many of you know, I live in Chicago and work in Chicago. And it is a constant struggle being around some of these Cubs fans. And uh at my law office it is no exception. There is me and one other guy and one gal who are die hard St. Louis Cardinals fans. And and we are just in it together. We have to walk around like members of Sparta like hooked arm in arm just fending off these personalities that only come out whenever the Cubs are doing well. You don't hear anything from these people whenever they're struggling; they just go back into their one hundred and eight year cellar of hiding. But man, when there's just a glimpse of hope and the cubs start doing well, these awful people just come out of the woodworks and <laughs> they're everywhere. You're getting your coffee go cubs go, and I just slam the coffee on the ground. <laughs> You know, it's like I'm holding the door for someone. They're wearing a Cubs hat, and I just slam it shut. I'm I'm the worst to be around. It brings out the worst in me. And just seeing that stupid white flag with the blue W flying all around our field, on our mound, and in our stadium, oh, it disgusted me. And I got to tell you guys, my law office had an event on Tuesday. I just got back from a mediation in Boston. Talk about putting yourself in a bad position. I was around the terrible people of Fenway Park and the Boston Red Sox fans. And then I come back Tuesday night. My firm throws an event where we rented out Wrigley Field. Can you believe this? And I have to go to it and make an appearance. And I'll tell you what I did. My fiance was there with me. She didn't want to do it, but she did. She took a picture of me hovering and squatting over the Cubs logo on the field with my thumbs up. And that sums up (laughs) how I felt this week. There you go, big boy.
0: I think that is stellar. And In fact, I was going to ask if you used the opportunity while you were at Wrigley to leave them a present.
2: (laughs) I I, I did my best to do you, Larry, proud.
1: (laughs) You know, I – you guys, I don't remember if I said this to you guys, but I grew up in Chicago. So, you know, I have a little little, little different take because I have a little empathy for those guys. I was mostly a Sox fan. I went to more Cubs games, so it was a lot closer. And honestly, for those of you who don't know the old Comiskey Park in, on the south side, you know, when I was growing up, the L stop was four blocks from the park in a very bad neighborhood. So even though I was a much bigger Sox fan, I was forced to uh, fulfill my baseball desires uh, in the friendly confines. And you know, it was a fun but hapless place to be. Um, so I don't have I don't have the built-in animosity um, that some St. Louisans do, um, and that may be why I ducked your question a little bit there, Michael, about last night specifically. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel very good to, to watch that on your mound. I mean, you know, if anything, you feel like you want to, you know, pour a keg of kerosene on and light it, and say, "Go do that on your own time and your own place." But um, but yeah, it it wasn't fun. Um, you know, I I want to get back to one thing Dan said. Later, if we if we have time for it, and I know it's not cardinal specific, but you started to talk about the fans in Boston, so maybe later we can set it aside some time to talk about who the worst fans in baseball are.
0: Hey, absolutely. When when you're uh, on the table in the hot seat, man, take us wherever you want to go because we're so, drunk tonight, definitely. so it doesn't really matter. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Now,
0: listen. Let me give you let me give you my feedback on last night's. You know, a really shameful display of that, as (laughs) as both of you well put, and I think, Dan, you said it even more beautifully, about that ugly white flag with that whatever W on it. (laughs) I have to tell you, as much as I hated it, I simultaneously loved it. And let me tell you why. And I actually have a piece that I'm going to put out tomorrow on this very issue. But I loved it because... This year's team, the 2017 St. Louis Cardinals, had so many moments, and that oh. included, when they just didn't have any passion or fire or seeming right. to care right. whatsoever. Right. And if nothing, if, if nothing will inspire fire, having your arch rivals celebrate on your pitching mound with their god-awful white-fielded, Blue, whatever, W on the middle of your field, if that doesn't tick you off to no degree, if that doesn't tick you off to the place that you're ready to come back the following year and shove it right down their throat, then something's wrong with you.
1: (laughs) This is drunk baseball. You don't have to say throat. Yeah, shove it up their ass, you know? I
0: mean, if that doesn't fire you up, (laughs) if
1: that, if that
0: doesn't fire you up for the next year, I don't know what will. And I think we saw this season, at least here towards the end, that the only person with fire was Tommy Pham when he basically told Ben Zobris to shut his pie hole because they <laughs> di- weren't going to pop any corks on our field, but they ended up popping the corks anyway. And the one thing that I'm sad that we didn't get to see was, and I would have paid money to see this. I want to put on first base, and have Joe Madden stand there on the first baseline, shake up a bottle of champagne, and pop that cork right at Matheny's smug little face. Now, I say that because even last night, even last night, Matheny has the gall to say to reporters, yeah, I didn't watch it. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Didn't watch, we didn't watch that stuff. We're going to come back tomorrow and play. Well, then that's a yeah. problem. Because that's what you've done all season long. And I'm not certain you're watching the games that you're managing. Because the rest of us are. And we're seeing where you are not getting this team. And where you are not getting this team is to hold up our red and blue flag. Much stronger colors than that weak white and blue. Hold up our red and blue flag with our STL on our mound to celebrate. We aren't getting to relive those moments where Adam Wainwright... Records that final out And throws his arms in the air And Molina runs out and hugs him And I'm hoping that as I'm saying this You guys are getting the same chills I get When I remember those moments We're not getting to see those moments Where Chris Carpenter runs across over to first base And slides head first to make the out Because by God we're not going to lose And we're not even going to let someone on base Instead what we have is a wet noodle Who doesn't even watch And that's what infuriated me but I'm so glad that it was the Cubs, so glad that they were on our mound because we will come back in spring training, hopefully as mad as we were when, when uh, the Cincinnati Reds took us to a brawl, pushed us against the, the netting behind home plate, which <laughs> really was a big turning point in that season. We have to say for the history and the future of the Cardinals, this moment, that moment of the Cubs holding that god-awful flag and getting their photographs made, that's got to change 2018. Let's go back to you, Dan, now that I've filled that whole thing with a bunch of vitriol, and hear something, your response to that. So here, here's the thing.
2: I think that every member of this Cardinals team should have been required to sit there and watch the Cubs celebrate. They should have been required to stand at the top of the steps and watch and take that in and get pissed off and be motivated and want what they're having. You know, we, we hear a lot, we've talked a lot about what the roster shakeup in the offseason is going to be. And I hear a ton of people say, well, you know, sell high on Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham's having a great year. He's a dynamic player, but he's 29. He's got the uh, degenerative eye disorder. Let's sell high on him and get rid of him. Am I the only one who wants the tenacity and attitude of Tommy Pham on the team? I loved it when Tommy Pham told Zobris, that he's not my friend, don't say hi to me on the basis. <laughs> I love that. That was amazing. That was Chris carpenter at. You know what Chris Carpenter would have said if he was on the team and the Cubs, were like, yeah, we definitely want to clinch against St. Louis? Chris Carpenter would have said, well, I'm going to hit three Cubs to load the bases and then strike out the side and scream at everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he would have done something amazing, something epic. That's, that's what Tommy Pham has in him. He has that extra gear. I'm tired of everybody being rainbows and unicorns. I want the tenacity. Get the weak guys out. Get out of here. If you don't have attitude, if you don't have that edge, if you don't want to compete and win more than anything else,
1: get out
2: of here. Go play for the athletics, man. You, there's places you can play. But not here, not in St. Louis. You have to want a championship or bust. And so much of this year has shown me that these guys don't
1: want it. And with that, I'll pass to Larry. Larry, am I wrong? No, I remember. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to hockey briefly to make a point. I remember writing a column back in the day. This will date me, but in the late '80s, and it was when it was for the Riverfront Times here in St. Louis, and it was uh, when uh, Brian Sutter uh, had his first gig as uh, as a professional hockey coach after he had retired playing. And anybody who remembers Brian Sutter knows that he was. Uh, he was Chris Carpenter on the ice, right? He was the techno prisoners, he was the the ball yes. of fury, he was the guy who would piss off the other team but, but also had talent. I mean he wasn't you know, he wasn't just he wasn't just the um, I don't know who the example of the best example of the just the stricken forcer. No way. This was a guy who could play and could play well, but he was the presence out there and then he became a coach and it was really interesting to see at the beginning. And he learned how to do this later on, uh, though not for us. But he learned how to translate his on-the-ice energy into his off-the-ice motivational energy for the Blues. Uh, I mean, for uh, who did he coach after the Blackhawks? Um, but he, but he, he didn't do it at first. And I sit here and I think about Matheny and, you know, so often he's just this, he's this warm blob of ectoplasm, right? And he just sits there and, you know, quietly observes and quietly watches his players as they go about their business. And maybe he talks to them behind closed doors, and maybe he doesn't. And there are lots of ways to motivate players, believe me. Um, uh, sometimes players are motivated against the manager, right? Billy Martin was great at that. Larusa, to an extent, was great at that. You know, he could be such a such a heartless sob sometimes. You know that I suspected that the cl- that the clubhouse got together and said, you know, okay, let's win despite the fact that this, that we don't always like this guy. Um, you know, Madden has an interesting way of doing it too. But but Messini, I just don't see the kind of leadership that either unites for him or unites against him um, or in any way, you know, leads to a, um, a collective sense of urgency. And what's so interesting about that is everybody acknowledges, and Michael's written about this many times, you know, the guy doesn't have the best tactical skills. The guy, um, you know, doesn't know when to pull his starters. The guy doesn't know how to manage a a bullpen. You know, the guy doesn't insist on consistent fundamentals. So you would think the only thing that he has going for him consistently is that he somehow is a great leader, and that's what's been ascribed to him. But for the life of me, if a great leader is judged by – how he brings his troops along, then I haven't seen it. Um, I know the team has been winning every year. I know the team has had some success on the field. But when it comes to reaching back for that something extra, especially in the post-Chris Carpenter era, um, you know, we then had Matt Holiday, who didn't lead that way. Who was a very quiet dude. We had Adam Wainwright. Who's a jokester? Um, we now have Tommy Sam, thank goodness, and no, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spontaneously combust if we don't hold on to him. But Dan, we, Dan Michael, we don't have a manager, and to date, uh, uh, absent Sam, you know we haven't had the leader who is able to inspire and elevate the team to a higher level of performance.
0: Very well said.
1: Hold on, I got to dis- the rest of this.
0: <laughs> no. I, I, will, I, I, I will never be the one to disagree with any statement that you just made. Um, I I agree. A leader of men. I, I just find that so laughable because I don't know that Massini and I'm being cruel because I've got a nice buzz going on, but I don't know that Matheny could, could inspire or lead a group of senior citizens out of a burning nursing home. Now that said,
1: (laughs) I I don't mean to be laughing at seniors in a nursing home. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, me either. Me, but, but think about that picture. I mean, picture that image. I mean, I don't think Matheny can lead them out of a burning nursing home. And <laughs> it's, it's so evident. Now, by the way, I want to interject this very quickly. I, I don't know if you guys, and I certainly don't follow her, but someone had retweeted um, Sam's wife uh, after the Cubs lost that game that the Cardinals won. And I'll tell you what, as much fire as Tommy Pham had, the Mrs. Fam also came out with some, pretty strong words telling the cubs basically to sit down that you're not going to pop anything tonight and i thought that is i'm telling you what can we make them first man and first lady of the cardinals for next season i love it now to answer that (laughs) yeah but let me tell you to answer that question no you cannot so long as mike Matheny is the manager because that is not the tone that Matheny likes to put forward. And I'm not even really sure if it's the tone that Moselec likes to put forward. One of the things that I'm going to deviate a little from baseball too, for just a second, one of the things that has driven me crazy about my college alma mater, Arkansas state university, a really awesome school in the Northeast corner of the state of Arkansas, grossly overshadowed by the university of Arkansas, which is on the Northwest corner of Arkansas, Let me just say that the Arkansas University, of course, I'm terribly biased, much better school. But one of the things that for the longest time was very frustrating about things at Arkansas State was they went through a series of head football coaches, two to three, back to back, who were very timid, very quiet, very passive leaders of men, shall we say. And it was purposeful by design because the athletic director at the time wanted to present this very stoic, very calm. Am I ringing any bells here? Does this sound horribly familiar? Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and, And in doing so for those three to five seasons or longer, Arkansas State's football program was pitiful. What they did to follow that was they immediately brought in on the back end a very charismatic, a very impassioned, a very different athletic director who, in turn, brought in a very charismatic, very impassioned, who's now in a lot of hot water for calling escorts, Hugh Freeze, who came <laughs> in. Well, he's impassioned. And I bo- mean, that goes without saying, right that's right he he uses a cell phone so he came in brought an energy that changed the program and now multiple years later multiple coaches later because those you know we, the Arkansas state went through several seasons of bouncing from coach to coach because Hugh Freeze left then you had uh, Gus Malzahn then you went to uh, somebody else and then you went to Anderson, who's there now, and has been there longer because the school finally decided, hey, let's put a, a pretty large buyout. But the point is that the program did not flourish under those less impassioned people. And also I will tell you, before that time period, the ball coach at Arkansas State, who was very impassioned and one of my favorite moments happened many times in games when he would kick his shoes across the court, that team won when they removed him because he was too impassioned, they brought in another wet noodle and we saw the same thing that we have seen for the last four seasons with the Cardinals. And what I think we will see, what I'm hoping we will see, which is why I really enjoyed the Cubs actually celebrating last night was because we have to change the narrative. And I'm afraid the narrative we're going to hear starting on that seventh day after the world series is finished the narrative we're going to hear is going to be Matheny's a great leader and he could have done better, but we had all of these injuries. And he could have done better if, and he could have done better if, but he is so great and we still had a winning season. And I think that is just the death of us for the future. Larry, what do you think?
1: Uh, You know, I don't think you have to have that kind of guy, you know, Circumstances. I mean, the guys you were describing at Arkansas State. I think okay, we just had to run thrown throat out again. So now we have nobody on base. Two out in the tenth inning, um, and that was Harrison Bader thrown out. That's unfortunate. You know, there are guys who um, who are able to inspire and elevate teams in you know quieter ways. Certainly, Coach Wooden is the right, the ultimate in that style. Um, you know it can happen. Um, you know, Shostakovsky is not a screamer, but when you look at his eyes, you would never want to be around him if you weren't willing to play up to his, uh, you know, to his expectations. Um, but but it, it needs to be—it needs to be a leader who is able to inspire and elevate. Inspire and elevate. Even if Mike Matheny inspires, um, and I don't mean religious dogma, I mean inspire to play better, I don't see that he elevates. I don't see that there's something in him either in his philosophy or in his strategy and tactics from a baseball perspective that elevates. I just don't. Um, And some of that is statistical and some of that is qualitative, um, but that's what I believe. Um, I think he'll be here next year. I think the problem is, you know, they don't have a strong enough core of um, of players to make up for uh, for that lack. Sam um, Malone is not going to make that difference. I think it would be a suicide mission to trade Tommy Pham at this point. Quite frankly, I think even even they will not be able to accomplish that. I mean, we're not talking about Gary Templeton here. We're talking about a guy who's Fiery intensity is totally directed constructively toward making the team better, you know. And he's a fan favorite. I just don't see that happening. But yeah, I just I, I see I see that we're stuck with that mired with that leadership on the field. I don't think it's going anywhere in the near term future. Dan, what do you think,
2: guys? First, let me say it's a great question, and I, and I want to answer the question because you two made such salient points. Let me, let me offer a quick trivia question to start my answer. And that is when Tony La Russa walked away after the 2011 world series victory over the Rangers, dare I say the greatest world series comeback and victory of all time. Who was in the running for the managerial position? Who is the most successful manager who was a named candidate that the Cardinals did not hire? Dr. Miles. What do you got? Terry oh, Francona. Yeah. Okay. That's Everybody right. knows it's because I asked you guys softballs, knowing that you're going to come through and hit a walk-off, <laughs> unlike Tommy Pham just now. But okay, <laughs> you're right. We had a chance to hire Tito. The probably consensus, the best manager all around in the entire game of baseball, and it's not close. He, he has his players back. He is a leader amongst the leaders. He is a incredible tactician. I couldn't believe that for the first time, people started thinking about using closers outside of the ninth inning is when Andrew Miller was used as a fireman for the Indians last year en route to a very tight world series loss but some of the greatest managing I've ever seen in my entire life that's who the Cardinals could have had I offer that as perspective and now I want to give you a comp for who I think Mike Matheny is and here's where it comes from. first of all Alex Mejia's mustache is disgusting that needs to be shaved. <laughs> maybe if he shaved his mustache he, he could get a hit every once in a while the guy is Pete Cosma <laughs> Um, Anyway, so the comp is, if anybody follows the NFL at all, and I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I, I play fantasy football and I do the pick on each week. Here's my top: Mike Matheny is Alex Smith, okay? A top prospect quarterback, a number one overall pick. Matheny, a top prospect manager. <laughs> a number one overall pick of sorts when it comes to managerial prospects. But really, he's a guy who is not going to make a big difference on your team. He may not screw it up that often, but he's just kind of there. He's a game manager. He doesn't impact the game one way or another very often. And when he does, his mistakes and his attributes, are both highlighted to an extreme. That's Alex Smith in a nutshell. He's not going to throw for five TDs and 400 yards every game like a Drew Brees. But, you know, down, he's going to do all these things. That's Mike Matheny. Most of the time when he is put in a position to just ordinarily manage the natural course of a game, he can stay in his lane and do just fine. And I think that's why you've seen him be, quote-unquote, successful in his four or so years as the Cardinals manager but when it comes crunch time and that difference is made between a, a really good tactician and a good strategy guy and making the tough calls at key moments in the game we've seen especially this year a tendency for him to fail and I think that's because as Larry and Doc Miles both highlighted, he's not that good at it. I think the players like him, and as far as managers go, he's just fine. And when you have plenty of talent around him, he can do just fine. But whenever his talent is lacking, his flaws are exposed, they're highlighted, and they're enhanced on the biggest stage in baseball. And that's why you see so much criticism of him And that's why this year has been so difficult for him. I don't give him that much credit for a mediocre team being mediocre all year. Now, if that mediocre team was better than we expected, that would have been fine. But I think most people predicted this team to be around 82 wins. And lo and behold, where are we? We're right around 82 wins. So what has what Matheny added? I asked that question a bit rhetorically, but I also offer the answer that not much, but that's also what should have been expected of him. That's who he is. And sometimes that's fine, and I think we're seeing that maybe that's not quite enough for this team. And that's okay. What
0: do you think, Doc? I, I think that you are... Dead on with that. And, you know, we we heard this refrain a lot recently of, you know what, the Cardinals are what we thought they were. You know what, they are the 82-win team who is about to drop another game. You know, and I say that live, looking at what's happening today. So, I mean, all of that to say, I, I kind of agree, and that's what frustrates me the most is why are we – um surprised by it you know Um, so let me ask you this so we can let's do this first let's take a quick break and when we come back i'm going to actually let uh, larry jump into the hot seat and give us a topic so thank you for joining us tonight you are listening to the official redbird rants podcast episode number 31 this is the drunk redbirds edition and we'll be right back after the break Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 31, the Drunk Cardinals edition. If you are following the game at home, the Cardinals have just given up the lead run to the Cubs in the top of the 11th. I hate to say not to be surprised when a AAA team can beat us. It's very, very upsetting. And so there we have it. So uh, I'm going to turn over the hot seat to Larry. Larry, <clears throat> give us something wonderful to talk about. Help us come out of this because I'm going to mute it, and I am going to enjoy a few more deep sips of my tequila.
1: All right, so I'm not going to spend a long time on, on Mejia's uh, porn star mustache. So let's go on to some other things. Um, I I want to talk – last last week we had a great chat about the 2018 um, bullpen and what it might look like and who might contribute to it. And I'd really like to talk tonight about the 2018 starting rotation. Um, it's something that really intrigues me. Um, you know, we – I think we can safely say at this point absent and some – Uh, Bizarro trade Or off-season injury You know, lifting You know, lifting deer meat up A flight of steps or something I think we can safely say That, you know, Seamart Even though he didn't perform Like the ace that he showed the last two years You know, squarely part of the Rotation going forward, we all know that Michael Walker has Impressed on a number of occasions this year, 15 Quality starts, in fact the whole team is 6th in the entire major leagues in quality starts, 79. Um, and, you know, that may be important to you if you think quality starts are important. If you don't, it's not. But but it, it does show the kind of impressive relative consistency of the starting rotation contrasted with um, the rest of the team. Uh, Walker himself, I, I checked in today, I think there are 15 Quality starts in his portfolio, so clearly a part of next year's rotation. And then anybody who has been watching and is not taking um, some sort of a distracting drug would have to think that Luke Weaver is now proven as a, as, as, as a starter on a major league team and even on a competing major league team, despite the atrocity of Monday, I think before that, you know, he had seven starts in a row where he had given up either zero or two runs in five or more innings. And so, you know, the changes that he's been able to affect from last year to this year um, are just – I'm so impressed by the maturity of such a young pitcher. Um, so that's three. And then, you know, we get past that, and it is, quite frankly, anybody's guess. We have a an Alex Reyes who – You know, we don't know what he will look like on opening day. We have an Adam Wainwright who looks like, you know, he uh, some days he looks like you ought to offer him a buyout of his contract and say, you know, have a nice retirement. And then sometimes he shows that he's learned how to pitch at 89 or 90 miles an hour. Um, You know, you have Zach Flaherty who had a cup of coffee as a starter this year. You have, um, you certainly have um, um, Tyler Lyons, who has wanted a shot in the past, but maybe his own versatility has hurt him. Um, So that's four, and I'm sure there are a couple more that we will talk about that are lurking uh, in the minors right now. Uh, We have Sandy Alcantara. We don't know what he will look like. Uh, And then maybe they'll invite a couple of uh, NRIs, non-roster invitees, to bring training. What I'm wanting to hear from... My buddies here is, you know, beyond. First, do you agree with those three spots? And then beyond that, how do you think the um, how do you think the, the starting rotation for April of next year will play out? Let's start with you, Dan. Larry,
2: as usual, it's it's a great question, and I agree with the two locks that you mentioned. And I want to talk about Weaver. Uh, so the two locks you mentioned, I think it's obvious. Carlos Martinez and Michael Waka will be starters in the rotation next season. Neither one of them will be traded in the offseason. They, in my opinion, are locked. Now, Luke Weaver, if he is with the Cardinals at the start of next season, I agree with you. He's a lock. Uh, he, he pitched wonderfully. His control and his command, which I had a long discussion about how those are different. We can talk about that later if you want. Uh, were both phenomenal, and his velocity was up a little bit.
0: He was reaching
2: back at ninety-seven a few times. Mm-hmm. So, 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 who do we see in those last couple of spots? And you know, if if you think Luke Weaver might be a trade candidate, count me in. Maybe three spots. Well, as you all know, I am a Lance Lynn fanboy, and I would love to see Lance Lynn in that number three spot. Do I think it will happen? No. I don't think the Cardinals will re-sign him. I think they'll hit him with a qualifying offer and he will walk and we'll take the draft pick smile and say, thank you for your time, sir. But I do think Adam Wainwright is a lock for the rotation next year. And I think he should be. And that's because he's a couple years removed from the, the Achilles injury, which is good. Hopefully the elbow stuff is not too serious. And if he has the velocity somewhere around 89 to 91, he's crafty enough of a pitcher to be a fourth or fifth starter on probably any major league club, and I think this one too. And his, his presence in the starting rotation is critical for the young guys. So by my count, with Lynn, Al, and Weaver, a trade candidate, we've really, so far, we've got Martinez, Waka, and Adam Wainwright as the three who I think are definitely in next year. What about Jack Flaherty, you might ask? He had a good cup of coffee. He showed us that he has stuff, but he's not ready. So let me dispense with him immediately. He is not ready. Um, He cannot pitch deep into games yet. And he's shown that the moment, at least initially, has been a little bit too big for him whenever times get really tough. He would load the bases, and oftentimes he'd be yanked from the game and many times bailed out by the Cardinals' bullpen. That's not an option every game in the regular season over 30 starts. So I think he's a prime candidate for more seasoning in AAA. So who else do we have left? I mean, we've got a couple options. I think there's going to be a free agent acquisition. If that's not retaining Lance Lynn, I think you could see like a Chris Tillman from Baltimore, who used to be their staff ace and has had a step back this this year, I think you could see the Cardinals take a flyer on him on a one year prove it deal and try to try to get the most out of a guy like that to be a number three type starter and I think he could be there are a couple other guys out there like that. I don't think the Cardinals will be on in on Arietta or Darvis, and I'm fine with that uh, interesting names to, to watch would be if Masahiro Tanaka opts out of his Yankee field. That could be sort of a buy lower candidate. You could also see them take a flyer on a guy like Anibal Sanchez, who has an amazing strikeout rate and has shown an ability to pitch both in the starting rotation and out of the pen. But, you know, I think largely you're going to see it filled internally. Alex Reyes will probably step into the rotation. And you might see a surprising guy like a Dakota Hudson make the leap in spring training a la Michael Waka, uh when he impressed before he came up and jump into that starting rotation at least at some point next year. So if you're counting at home, I have Carlos Martinez, Michael Walker, Adam Wainwright, a yet to be named free agent acquisition, who I think might be Chris Tillman, if not Lance Lynn and Alex Reyes to start the season with a potential of Dakota Hudson jumping into that rotation later in the year. Uh,
1: That's my you Just to be clear, are you saying you want Luke Weaver to be traded or you think he's going to be traded? I think he's
2: going to be traded, but he would would be my four if he's not traded. Okay. Slotting in right after Wainwright and then Reyes for a lot of reasons, mainly the innings limitation that will come with his season – uh, will be number five if if Weaver is around. So if if they don't trade Weaver, which I I really think that oh this might be a game tying, tying homer. Oh, game over. Or it. Season over. Uh, wow. if, if you guys are, are not watching, uh, uh, another Paul DeYoung home run was robbed in the on the center field wall in the Cardinals' season is now over which may be a topic later but that that's my five i've got to take another drink doc because i'm actually crying you can't you can't tell (laughs) right now but there are tears falling onto my puppy who's sitting next to me during this podcast so doc it's
1: all yours that was quite a that that was
0: a great catch i mean he had a great great run great read on that great catch way to go you know, yep. we are the best fans in baseball. We can recognize a good play when we see it, even if it's on our arch rivals. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so let me say this: when we when we talk about the rotation next season, you guys make really great points, and I I I would like to believe those points. By the way, <laughs> as, a, as a side note. Did you notice how the gross majority of the fans at today's, tonight's game were wearing blue, not red? Yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, if that's not a wake-up call to can and it. I don't know what is. <laughs> okay, so back back to the topic at hand. Um, you know, the starting rotation next season, I, I, I'm really torn on Lance Lynn, and, and I have to agree with Dan. I, I think that the way to go is to give him a qualifying offer and let him walk and take the – you know, take the pick. It, it's not going to make a huge difference, but to take the pick. Then, secondly, I really hope Adam Wainwright is not in the starting rotation. Um, I would really love to see, and I think it'd be a, a fun experiment. I'd love to see him go back to being a closer. Um, I, I think he's not a prototypical closer, certainly, with his lack of speed but I think having him come in at the end of a game and do what we've watched him do before, tell him, don't worry about the speed, bring back that killer 12 to six curve, and focus on that, either that or make him a long relief guy. I just don't want him in the rotation. I think he is too much of a liability. And, uh, you know, so that, that, that's how I'm dealing with that. Um, you know, I'm a little distracted right now. They just put up the ad for Saturday's game against the Brewers, and the only thing that I can think of is, you know, who really cares. Um, <laughs> the, the, the next thing is, okay, so to the rotation, I would like to have Lynn back. So let's say Lynn is gone. So uh, that leaves you with Luke Weaver. I think Luke Weaver absolutely should be in the rotation. I, I think, Dan, you've got an interesting point there, that he may have a lot of value. Um, to go elsewhere, and, and that I could see happening. Um, I think you have to keep Michael Walker up there because he will become the, one of the veterans in your rotation. Uh, I think Alex Reyes definitely comes back and is in the rotation, uh, if only because Lynn will be gone. Now, having said that Adam Wainwright is a liability, Alex Reyes will be a liability, as you well pointed out, that he will be on an innings limit that said, he's going to start throwing soon, and we'll know pretty early on what his limit will be and what his ability will be. So that leaves a lot of questions, a lot of question marks. Um, well, we know Carlos Martinez is back, and he will, I think, next season embody more of the ace. I hope next season he picks one hairstyle and sticks with it so that we don't have something to blame for when he when he has some difficulties. Um, again, even in that, let me say that I, the narratives are what's driving me crazy about the 2017 Cardinals because if you notice, the narrative of a bad Carlos Martinez start was not how poorly his abilities were. It was always, oh, cmart's amazing. It's that hair. And that became that narrative. And then... You, know, so I'm sorry, we've, we've talked about other narratives already. So I see it going. Uh, Martinez, Waka, Weaver, Reyes, and then I definitely see us picking up somebody in the offseason. I actually believe Jack Flaherty may be more of the trade piece instead of Weaver. And the reason I feel that is we have shown too much of Weaver, really to trade him away. We've given everybody a taste of Flaherty, a taste to see the promise that's there, more so even than Weaver. And I think Flaherty could go and really bring in somebody that, who could help the rotation. I don't know who that is. Um, I, I like the idea, Dan, that you said of um, Tanaka opting out of his contract and how that would be a really interesting Pick up, you know, I love those sorts of things. But let me also say that I loved those sorts of things when Dave Duncan was there. I don't know that I love those sorts of things with Derek Lillequist. And by the way, Derek Lillequist is the one member of the coaching staff I don't really have a problem with. The rest of them can go. Um, Certainly, John Mabry needs to be the first one on a one-way ticket to the New York Mets, with the second (laughs) one-way ticket to the New Mm. York Mets being for Mike Matheny. I see us this, this off season we, we have a decision to make, and, and I think that decision will be made on that seventh day after that final game of the World Series, in, in which case the Cleveland Indians, I'm predicting, will be the winners, and I really hope that's the case. Me um, too. I, I just really do. I want Tito to – not our Tito, but the other Tito – to have a World Series win again <laughs> and – and I would really love for him to have a win so that we could say to Mosela, look, look at what you, look at what you missed out on. And so that said, I, I see it's picking up somebody, but the decision I think we have to make in those seven days is, are, are we going to be a team in rebuild or are we going to pick up a power pitcher who could slot in at number two, you know, to replace the last one? And are we going to pick up a, um, a power bat to help us out. And if the answer to those questions are yes, then we're contenders. Or are we going to be in rebuild? And are we going to allow the likes of Weaver and Flaherty, we hold on to him. We look at other of our, you know, maybe we put Tyler Lyons finally into a rotation spot um, and, and become a team that says, hey, let's spend a year developing. Let's spend a year saving and let's play the market in July. Because if this season has taught us anything, it is that you don't have to necessarily be the strongest contender on day one. Because I think if we look at the Brewers, at the start of the season, everybody had written them off. They weren't going to be in the run at the last. And where are they today? They're in second place. They're still fighting for a wild card spot that the Cardinals have now completely lost out on thanks to the lackluster performance tonight. So I think that, and by the way, the Brewers didn't really make any big moves. They made no splash. They came in with a bunch of nobody, and I say that lovingly, but they came in with a bunch of people who nobody had really heard of, save Ryan Braun, but, you know, come on. And they decided to be not just spoilers, but they decided to be competitors. And they kept themselves just above the waterline, all season long, and the Cardinals could decide to be that sort of team next year without making any big moves. I hope that's not the route we go, but if we do go that route, I hope we embrace it and we really push hard on it. What do you think, Larry?
1: Uh, I mean, you guys, you know, you've hit virtually all the points. I, I do think we'll make a qualifying offer to win. I would be, I'd be—I'd have flutters in my stomach if he accepted um, but i don't I think that's about a one percent chance, and that might be overstating it. Um, I think there are some um, there's some different levels of free agent pitchers out there um, that the, the team could um, could go in different directions. I think you mentioned um, um, at least one or two of them. I think Dan mentioned Chris Tillman, another one who is really very interesting to me is Alex Cobb. Um, now, Alex Cobb is a really fine like pitcher, uh, but not a, not a huge strikeout pitcher, so he's not a power pitcher. But, you know, but if you're looking to pair somebody who could slot into a major league rotation, you know, at a number three easily, and, um, and you already have Carlos as the power guy, And Weaver has proven that he's a power guy and Waka, of course, throws in the mid to high 90s. I mean, he's a guy who you might be able to get from less than top value just because, you know, because his strikeouts aren't kind of the highest, you know, part of his game, right? I mean, I think he had about 130 this year, and, you know, he's had 150, but I don't think he's ever been a guy who's going to get you 180 or 200. But then there are guys who are more journeymen if you want to slot in at the bottom of the rotation, like the Euless kind of guys. Um, so, so, you know, there's a lot hanging on how healthy Alex Reyes is, what they think they can get out of him. If I had my guess, I'd guess they start Reyes in the bullpen so that they have the prospect of having more innings from, from him as the season progresses. Um, but who the hell knows? We don't really know anything right now. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of guesswork to be had about what the rotation looks like. The last thing I will say, and then turn it back to, uh, to Michael, is I don't think they'll trade Luke Weaver. I think if they were a certainty on four deep in the rotation and we're choosing one from four plus free agents, I think they'd go there right now with only two certainties. Um, without him and not knowing if Reyes will be ready uh, for um, for opening day as a starter, I think they are much more likely to hold on to Weaver than to let him go. And with that, I'll turn it back to Dr. Moss. Doc, Doc,
2: l- l- let me jump in here because you guys said a couple things that really made me think. And, and I would love to ask a quick hitter question to each of you. Sure. And um Jeff. Just- and, and just see what your gut reaction, first thing coming to mind, answer is. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so
2: Larry, Larry, since it's your question, let me start with you. And just say one word to answer this question. Who is more talented or has more upside, Flaherty
1: or Luke Weaver? Oh, I think, I think probably Flaherty. Okay, don't say why.
2: Doc, Flaherty or Weaver? More talented, more upside.
0: I have to agree. It's Flaherty. Do you think
2: either Flaherty or Weaver will have a better career in their first six seasons than Lance Lennis had?
1: Go ahead, Doc. No. Larry, um, I, I I would would not have said um, I would not have said yes until I saw how ridiculously polished Weaver looked compared to how he how he did last year. Um, so I'll say I'll say even though I think Flaherty has more upside, he's more unknown, and and Weaver shown the maturity that shocked me. So I would say I think Weaver may have the potential to emulate what Lynn has done. So the only reason I raise that
2: is is query whether the value of Weaver slash Flaherty is so high to another team to be offset in a trade by the Cardinals re-signing Lance. It's just something to think about. I'm not asking the actual question. But just think about that because the Cardinals may be evaluating if I give Lance Lynn $110 million over five years and I can trade one of Flaherty and Weaver for a impact bat. Have I shored up my rotation and acquired an impact bat at an acquisition cost of someone who was going to peak out right around or less than Lance Lynn and retaining Lance Lynn? Now, it assumes that Lance Len will be the same Lance Lenn over the next five years that he was over the first six. That is a risk you're going to take. But that's a value proposition that the Cardinals might look at and say, okay, I'll make that deal. It's something I thought of when you guys were giving your, your, uh, your uh, good uh, advice. Uh, all
1: right, all right since, you, since you kidnapped the question, I'm going to kidnap it back and give you an answer. And that is, I'd say I I don't buy it, and the reason is because including Weaver in a trade as opposed to Flaherty, to me, only opens up the number of teams that are interested, not necessarily what you're going to get back. And by that I mean I think Weaver, since he's more of a proven commodity, a team that has a potential for competing, sooner um, or is currently a competitor is going to play for Weaver um, more than, um, uh, than, than maybe some others. Because if you trade Weaver, you're going to have to get the, the significant bat back. And the question is, are any teams that are playing for now likely to have or give you the significant bat back that would be in the middle of your lineup? I personally don't see it. I would I would entertain some specific examples and we could talk about that, but for me, Flaherty is just as effective a headliner because he has unlimited potential. He and 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 granted, I'll I'll seed something right away. I think Flaherty has to be part of a bigger package, but I think Flaherty, you know, is going to go to the team that is really rebuilding and as a bat that they are willing to surrender right now because they know that the rebuilding process is going to be at least a two or three year process. So um, that's, that's, that's my thought. I don't know if it makes any sense or not.
0: It does to us, but we've also been drinking with you. So.
1: Well, right. So <laughs> for anybody who's listening, could you just make sure you've drunk a whole lot so that you agree with me?
2: <laughs> we, can think... we can do
1: that. We can do that. Okay. Can we just make
0: that a requisite from here out for the Redbird Ranch podcast? (laughs) What do you think, Michael? Uh, You know what? I think that um, you you make probably the best point that could be made about the possibility of training away Flaherty. Uh, The thing that I kept thinking about as you guys were talking about this is – you know, making the statement of Flaherty for uh, an impact bat assumes that Flaherty is the only body we have that we could move. And I think no, that right. forgets about our overloaded outfield. And yeah. I think that, uh, you know, if, if the intent is to go get a John Carlos Stanton and it, it may in fact be, and it may in fact may not, but if that's the plan, it's going to take a package of MLB players in the outfield to go to the Marlins with some promising pitching, and honestly, the best package you could put together would be one that includes Flaherty. Now, let me also say, and then we need to take a quick break. Mike Matheny just gave the dullest post-game press conference of his entire career. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, the season is over. The fat lady is singing. Lance Lynn may have just pitched his final game wearing a Cardinal uniform. And what does Matheny say? Yeah, he he he, he can really go out and give some great starts. Well, <laughs> what? I, I mean. <sighs> I, you know, I, I hope that that audible sigh that I just released, I hope that came across um, because that's all that I have to say to that. It, it was uh, paint drying was far more interesting than that post-game conference. But on that note, let's do this. Let's take ourselves our final break of this 90-minute roundtable version of the official Redbird Rants podcast episode number 31, and when we come back from the break, Dan will be sitting in the hot seat and will kick us off on what is sure to be an outstanding topic, if not for you all listening, certainly for us participating, and if you are drinking at home, take some deep, deep, deep sips during this commercial break. (laughs) Stay with us. Yes. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 31. This is the drunk Cardinals edition, drunk Redbirds edition. Very similar to Drunk History, but we probably get things far more incorrect than they do. We are in a true roundtable. This is our 90-minute episode, and the next person to jump into the hot seat is none other than Dan Campbell. Dan, take it away for us.
2: Guys, first a comment. I love doing these things with you guys because you have hard-hitting analysis and you really you have such good knowledge of the roster construction and the value of our players that you really can't add a lot of value to the conversation. I enjoy listening to you guys because I learn something each time. Two things to think about before I ask my question, and these things are unrelated to my question. I thought it was interesting the little thought experiment we just did when we talked about Luke Weaver and Jack Flaherty, and, and the last question we asked after figuring out who we thought was better or had more upside was, would either one of these guys be better in their first six years than Lance Lynn? Mm-hmm. And I think both. I think you know one one of you said no, and the other one with a little bit of reservation said yeah okay. And I, you know I think that was really good. But it gives us context when we think about these top prospects. And a lot of people are like, oh, Lance Lynn, he's kind of been here the last six years, and he's kind of just you know, been a known commodity. He's been really freaking good. Really good. it, It takes a lot for one of these young guys to step up, pan out, and do as good as him or be better than him. The other thought that I'll offer is I think Luke Weaver is Shelby Miller little bit different stuff, different one-two punch, but similar build, similar makeup, similar stuff, even though the two pitches are a little bit different. So I think you could see like a similar career path as a Shelby Miller, hopefully more consistent and more on it. The last thing I'll offer before my question is think about whether you would accept the premise of Mike Matheny pitching coach. With a different manager. Now I'm not asking that question. So don't answer it. But think about it. Doc. Would you be able to accept Bethany as the pitching coach? I don't know. It's not my question. Here's my question. You guys know. That I love coming up with player comps. If you tuned in last week. The love affair. With Tyler O'Neill Was on glaring display. On this podcast. And for good reason. The guy's a stud. And I made the comp to Patrick Wisdom because I wanted him to get some love and their stats are identical. Well, I'm going to take something we've been talking about which is the club, the the Cubs which have been like the clubs to the Cardinals, uh, clenching their mm-hmm. NL Central title by the way, another contextual point, this is only their fourth or fifth time being the division winner to the Cardinals 10, count them 10 times as National League Central Division champs but the Cubs have a young player who many thought of the second coming when he was in the world series last year. And that's Kyle Schwarber. To me, he looks like every jerk in my high school who ate way too much at the cafeteria and then went and slugged some balls with a minimal <laughs> effort on the baseball field. Okay. That's who he looks like. But Cardinals have a very similar player, although much better looking in much better shape and gives much more effort. But, Many people in Chicago and maybe around the world would think that Kyle Schwarber is better than this guy. He's not. And the guy I'm talking about is Randall Gritchik. Talk about similar players. These two offensively are almost exactly the same. Now, Randall's been around a year longer, but their numbers are, are stunningly similar. The difference is, Kyle Schwarber has the value of a bag of Italian sausages on defense and Randall Gritchick has a lot more. And so Randall Gritchick is a far better player all around than Kyle Schwarber. People around the windy city would laugh at me for saying that, but everybody on this call and all of our listeners know that it's true. So I ask you guys, Do you think Randall Gritchick is Kyle Schwarber? And if so, who has a brighter future and with what team?
0: Go for it, Doc. Uh, uh, If Kyle Schwarber is worth a sock full of sausages.
2: Italian sausages, Doc.
1: Yeah, come on! Oh. It's got to be Chicago Italian sausage. Well, no, we got to be specific right, the, here. Go ahead. All right, the, then
0: Randall Grichik is equivalent to pantyhose full of Oscar Mayer Bologna. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is the it's greatest Have ever uttered on the podcast. <laughs> is it like premium Oscar Mayer Oscar Mayer Bologna or just the regular?
0: No, it's the premium. It's the one with the really hard red shell on the outside that you have to oh, peel okay. off before oh, you eat it.
1: Like the hard salami. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I'm with
0: you. Yeah, yeah, okay. See, so it's one. of a higher okay. you know, it's a higher quality of of an inexpensive product. And, you know, <laughs> both both of them are worn on the foot, you know, sock and pantyhose. One's in a little flashier package. I will answer your question, though, Dan, without being facetious. By the way, Lance Wynn is giving one of his classic post-game interviews. These are the things I will miss if he's not a Cardinal. I love when he says things like, yeah, we went and played. Yeah, I threw the ball. These are the things that we need because no one's catching on to the fact that he is completely making fun of Mike Matheny in every one of these. I mean, he tries – he delivers it as as deadpan as he can, and and it's perfect. I I will miss those, and I hope that whoever comes behind SportsCenter, once it goes off the air and ESPN is gone forever, whoever that is, MLB Network, whatever the case, I really hope they cover Lance Lynn, regardless of what team he's on, for the post-game only interview. I'd be okay with that. Now, to answer your question, Dan, Randall Gritchick is a better player than Kyle Schwarber to simply answer your question, I hate Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't conjure up images of the fat guys in high school for me. High school was quite a ways ago, but I'll tell you who he drives. He, he is, and I think these are probably the same people you're talking about, but he's that guy who's driving the oversized truck with the big wheels that he's pimped out because he's overcompensating for his inadequacies in other places. That's former, the same guy. I'm telling you, I, I believe it. Um, it's either that or he's driving like the newest version of a Mustang that nobody really cares about.
1: That's kind of <laughs> Are you saying that he's Jeff Cannon? Is that what you're saying? Is he, is he I'm Biff? okay with that. Yes.
0: Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, mixed with, mix with a little bit of Gary Busey. Um, all right. Randall Gritchick has a lot of upside. And I really want to like Randall Gritchick. I don't think Randall Gritchik will be with the Cardinals next season. And that's probably a shame because Randall Gritchuk is going to go to another team that has a different manager and a different hitting coach and he is absolutely going to take off because all of the core components are are there, every one of them. They are just not harnessed correctly under this coaching staff. And we saw that when Randall went down to Memphis. Now, yes, he was seeing AAA pitching, but I posit that it's more than the AAA pitching that he was seeing. He had a legitimate coaching staff who were actually helping him address the things that he needs to address that the MLB coaching staff in St. Louis seems terribly incapable. So I think Randall goes somewhere else, and he has a great career. Schwarber is what Schwarber is, and I think you've seen the best of what he is. And, yes, they can say he was injured and the season he's coming back from injury. No, I, I think he's regressing to the mean. And, you know, a big guy like that can be a big flash when they first come out, But once you figure out what they are, you know, like when when the dudes pull up in the oversized truck and it's got the loud sound to it, you turn your head and look. (laughs) But when they step out of the truck and they take off their hat, you realize just how inadequate they are and the Napoleonic complex that they have.
2: They're always wearing a hat.
1: What is that?
0: Always. Always. And they take the hat off and shake the hair out, like push it back, and it's all the worst hat hair ever. You realize that, look, there's no better photographic picture of a douche than the guy who just climbed out of that truck. And that's Kyle Schwarber. And that's not only him personally, that's him on the diamond as well. So that's my answer. What do you think, Larry? (laughs)
1: Well, I think there and there's got to be really big time heavy metal playing in the background, doesn't there? I mean, <laughs> it just has to be—it has to be the most freaking grating, annoying, you know, metal that you could imagine. Um, you know, as he's showing off that he is the alpha male that trumps all alpha males, right? So that's the guy, and of course. You know, it's hiding, as you said, tiny body parts and gross insecurity. I'm with you there. All right, back to Randall Gritchick. I don't think Randall Gritchick has potential, um, and here's why. I think the last time that Randall Gritchick had anything resembling a good on base, and, and, and he said tolerable on bases, but the last time he had a good on base, was when he was 17. I'm looking at it right now in baseball reference, and his on-base was 352. and not been above 335 since then. Has been an equal opportunity strikeout artist at, at every level. Um, will never, in my opinion, figure out the low outside slider. Will never figure out, in my opinion, how to lay off the high fastball above the letters. That, to me, is Randall Gritchick. Now, Having said all that, you know, that guy who can, who has tremendous power, good speed, uh, plus defense, you know, who can be the sixth or seventh best offensive player on a team, or even, let's even say sixth, fifth or sixth best offensive player on a team, and you're not counting on him, but you're getting pleasant surprises from his power. Uh, and the extra base hit, I think he is a major leaguer. I think he, for many teams, is a starting major leaguer. But I just don't think he's what we need right now. I think what we need is everyday reliability and consistency. And I don't think we have the luxury of, you know, of the relatively small chance that after now eight years in the minors and majors, the, the, that there's a high prob- probability, I said false chance. So there's the small chance that he will uh, morph into something different than what he's exhibited. I just don't think it's like, very likely to happen. So for me, going back to our previous conversation, to take an explosively upside kind of prospect like a Jack Flaherty and a Randall Grichick, uh and a lower prospect and parlay them into, you know, the middle of the, the lineup kind of bat the number three through six guy that could really, you know, take the pressure off of Atambi Pham to compliment him, you know, to extend the lineup if for some miraculous reason we don't insist on batting Yachty Molina fifth the whole year. Um, you know, I think I think there's some real promise there for what Randall Randall Gritchick can do for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, you know, I don't live in Memphis and you know, I, so I haven't had the opportunity and I don't live in Springfield and I haven't had the opportunity to see every day, um, like Michael and others have, you know, how our minor league staff has really developed players before They've been messed up by Mabry or others at the major league level. So I'll have to defer to their judgment on that. But I just can't see either from the statistics or the visual evidence that Randall Gritchick is going to be different in the future from what Randall Gritchick is today. So I like the guy. I think he's a major leaguer. And I think in a package could actually get us what we've been – trying to seek, which is that middle-of-the-order bet. Hey,
0: let me jump in really quick before you say something, Dan. Um, to your point, Larry, in terms of how Gritchick would be in the future, I just offer you uh, one comparison, and that would be Matt Adams. Matt Adams was atrocious in St. Louis. And when Matt Adams went to Memphis, he was decent. I won't say great, he was decent. I mean, he'd come back up to St. Louis and he was atrocious again. Then fast forward to us sending him to Atlanta for a sock full of Italian sausages. And he takes off because he's got a different coaching mentality. And that's what I think will happen the moment Randall Gritchick leaves. Now, will it stay? I don't know. But, but I, I just wanted to respond to that to you.
1: No, I, I I hear what you're saying. You know, to to that point, you know, Matt's been all over the board this you know this year. He had that hellacious year uh, month in June, and then he dropped, then he dropped to the mid 700s, and then he was pretty darn bad in August until he picked it up again. Um, you know, uh, with with a relatively relatively small number of bats in in September. So I I hear you. It can happen. Uh, I just there's just there's too much there's just too much evidence now in the number of minor and major league at bats for me to believe that there's a high likelihood that Grichik will do that elsewhere. But look, if he if he does, and we end up with you know somebody that we believe you know whether it's a Christian Yelich or a Marcel Ozuna or somebody else that we believe we can plug in you know in the three hole or four hole or five hole and and can produce then I'm happy for Randall, you know, good luck. And may he thrive wherever he is.
2: Let me just say this guys, uh, and all, all excellent points. I'm going to go, you know, as is Josh on this writing team and podcast team, I'm a big Randall Gritchick fan. I think there's a lot there. I know it hasn't been unlocked yet, but I I just have this feeling that someday it will be. But I will say this against Randall. He's supposed to be this big power guy. Guys never even hit 30 bombs. In in a year when 10, count them 10, including Paul DeYoung, rookies, had 20-plus home runs, 20 and 25 doesn't get it done anymore, guys. If you're going to be a big power guy and that is your number one key asset, you need to be Joey Gallo, hitting 38, 40 bombs each year and hitting 200, not hitting 20 and hitting 240 or whatever it is. I mean, if, you're, if your power game is your only asset, well, you go hog on the power game and let's see 40 bombs. not Not half of that with a slightly better average, nobody's interested in that. So, you know, if, if I'm Randall and I'm a power guy, let's see the power. I had the same sort of issue with Matt Holiday. Everybody's like, oh, Matt Holiday's the strongest guy in the game. And I'm like, God, really? The guy has barely hit 30 home runs in his entire career. But he hit 310 every year. And he he was did, on base and he had a at lot at of doubles. Yeah. Yeah, he had a ton of doubles. Yeah, he's a line drive hitter. I get that. That's no. not Randall though. And no. so, like, if you're going to be a total power guy and a power prodigy, you got to hit 30 plus bombs. I'm sorry. In today's game, there's too many guys who can hit 20. When when Elvis Andrus of the tech, and I know he, I know he hits in a matchbox, but of the Texas Rangers is hitting 20 plus bombs.
1: Randall Gritch's 20 doesn't do it for me anymore. You got well, and the other thing, Dan, to plus. your point, the other thing to your point is basically teams have given players, not every, not every team and, and not every player, but generally teams have given players license to strike out as much as they want, right? So, so the message for the big hitter guys is just go for it, right? So there's, not even, there's not even the excuse from a lot of teams that, you know, we're looking for you to be a higher on base guy. They're ba- they've basically succumbed, you know, to the to the to the weaponry of the big ball. And even in that context, you know, he had four hundred and five. I'm looking at bats. He had twenty one home runs, right? So, yeah. I hear what you're saying.
0: Hey guys, let me jump in. I wanna. We've got about three minutes left, and I'm gonna toss just a couple things out there to you. Actually, we've got about two and a half minutes left. What a, an outstanding thirty-first episode, by the way, uh, and that that could be the the vodka talking, but really great, great. Um, I said vodka. I haven't been drinking vodka. I've been drinking tequila. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to point this out that this was a quote from Matheny's post-game conference, and he states, "This is the first time I have to stand up here and say we fell short of what we wanted to do." And the good, the good man on Twitter, Crash, actually retweeted that and said, second time, <laughs> second time, unless winning the World Series wasn't an expectation when they actually qualified for the postseason. <laughs> Which I think is a really fantastic way to wrap us up. And what I'd like to do is turn to you, Larry, give you about, give you about 30 seconds. To say one more parting thought, and then Dan, you give us your 30 seconds, and I'll wrap us up. Go ahead, Larry.
1: I think we should change the name of the podcast permanently to Deep Sips. Um, I think that we will distinguish us from every other pod, baseball podcast out there. I think big change is coming over the over the over the winter. I think even really good front offices can have. Mediocre years and I think And I think that's been the case This year I give them high marks For the Tyler O'Neill trade I Give them high marks for uh, For Mike Leak's uh, departure And I give them um, uh, Really Low marks for not Achieving more in terms of um, Improvement during the year So it's been, a, it's been a Very mediocre year to watch For the Cardinals But with the right moves over over the winter, I think we can look for bigger and better things next year. Hey, Dan, take us out. You've got about 20 seconds. All right,
2: guys. If you're a Cardinals fan and you're disheartened by this season, I challenge you to think of ways that this season was a success. And it's hard to do, but there are ways. We saw a lot from young guys. We saw a lot about what we have in the tank going through the future. And you have to trust that the front office will evaluate those players, evaluate the market, and identify key assets that can be acquired from other teams. I give the front office a ton of credit for not making a move for a team that didn't deserve it this year. But next year's team does deserve it and we will see a lot of activity in the off-season. It remains to be seen whether that activity will pay dividends. But I challenge you to think of the positives that we gained from this year and reflect in thought on the good things we learned rather than focusing on just the negative.
0: Yeah, and that's a really great way to take us out. Um, and thank you, Dan, for those uh, statements. And let me say that giving credit to the front office is something that we probably didn't do enough of this season. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head there by saying that the front office was hesitant to make any big splashes when they had really evaluated what the team was and saw that this was probably not the season to uh, invest in and allow us to learn some things and go through it. And you know what, guys, I, when they extended Matheny, I actually had said I wish that they hadn't because I wanted him to have a season where, you know, because he still had one season left on his contract. I wanted him to have to work for future years, and that didn't happen. But that may have happened this year. And what I mean by that is it may have happened in the way of, you know what, we're not going to go get you anybody great, and we want to see how you can actually lead people. And that could have been the conversation. And if that's the case, like you said, there are a lot of changes to be made in the offseason, and I look forward to those. I look forward to seeing if the front office is wise enough to keep Juan Nicasio. I look forward to seeing how they stack things up come next March when pitchers and catchers report. And so, you know, no big deal uh, going right now. I think that what we say is, hey, we've got a few more games left. But let's not hurt anybody. Let's let the young guys play. Since we're out, let's see what they've got. Let's show other teams where the value is. And let's go out and make some decisions. Um, And let the guys have fun from here until the rest of the season. Because I imagine they haven't had a whole lot of fun this season all the time. And I I would really love to see over the next couple games at least something enjoyable to watch. That being said, really thank you guys for a wonderful 90 minutes. We actually went beyond that. So we're not live right now. Uh, But this was being recorded, and so anyone listening via the podcast and downloading, listening to us, either through iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts, we want to say thank you so much for joining us. Huge thanks to Blog Talk Radio for being our host site where we record, broadcast, and store all of our podcasts in addition to all the other places. And as Fox Sports Midwest is now closing down and showing the very sad image a Bush Stadium empty as the lights are still burning. We, too, must call a, a, a close to this episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Dan, for this great episode. And we'll see everybody on Tuesday when I'm sure we will have two great podcasts next week as the Cardinals have put on their golfing outfits and have gone home. So that being said, Larry, thank you. Dan, thank you. thank you so much to everybody listening. Have thank a great you. night. And go Cardinals. Go
2: nationals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> go Indians. Bye, yeah. <laughs> go Indians. There you go. Yeah, but go nationals first, because we want you to tear yeah, right. up the Cubs. <laughs> I'll tell you Here's what, guys. as bad as the as bad as the white field but the lame W is, I want to see several white fields with that really outstanding L on them. So That being said, go Nationals. Have a great night. Bye.